You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 31. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Of which and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. The word of the Lord. Well, you may be seated, and um, <clears throat> you might have noticed that that sounds a lot like the same scripture from last week, which it is, because last week I mentioned, if you were here, I mentioned that um, uh, I come from a, a place in Dallas, like super high strung, your stress is a badge of honor that you wear around, and, um, and I said, now in my perspective, Coloradans, man, y'all are so laid back. And uh, so last week, I almost felt like, you know, we're talking about stress and worry, but it'll be quick because I know this isn't a deal. And then this week, I had my men's Bible study, I have the women's Bible study, and then I just had a bunch of conversations. And long story short, welcome to stress part two. You are not as impervious as I thought just because you live here in Colorado. This is, uh, is something that knows no geography. Uh, this is different things can bring stress to people, different things can bring different levels of worry and stress and anxiety and, and things like that. And what Jesus is about to say is just too darn good to pass up. And so we're, we're going to spend a little more time diving into that same text. And the goal in all this is that I can help you move by the power of the Holy Spirit from worry to worship, from worry to worship. That's what he's going to talk about here. The remedy to our worry is worship. And Jesus is going to walk through how this happens. Um, last week, if you were here, I'm going to, I'll do a quick recap for you. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to this idea of stress, worry, anxiety, fear, um, we often, we, we rarely in the moment want to tell people, you know, you really shouldn't be stressed because that just is like they're already stressed. They're not wanting to hear it. And it just adds to their problem. And so often if we're compassionate coming alongside people, really what we're doing is we're helping them in the moment, but we're not really dealing with the underlying issue of don't, don't stress. God, God has a better plan and a better way than just carrying anxiety. And so the way I said it last week was we often help in the instance but not with the issue. We help in the instance, but not with the issue. You're stressed about something. I care about you, so I'm gonna help this instance get better and get remedied. But when do you really take the time to go? It, it seems like you, you constantly 
go to this place of stress? How can we help you get out of, get out of that? Like I picture the car that's driving has driven down the same road for you know, decades and you know, eventually the tires just sort of create some grooves where you get on the road and it's almost like the car, you don't have to steer, the tires just sort of hit the groove and they know where they're going. And oftentimes when there's a mystery out there, the groove we jump to is stress or worry or fear or anxiety. And we almost go, I don't even know, I don't even, I don't even know another way. And Jesus is gonna show us a better way. In verse 22, you heard it read, he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and body more than clothing. These are very important things that he's talking about here. And if you remember, the word from last week was perspective. That the goal is that if we can get perspective, and I talked to a friend of mine right across the way that's a counselor, and I just told her, I'm, pre, I'm talking about worry. What do I need? What are the, give me your greatest hits. And she said, perspective, perspective, perspective. And one of the big things um, also from last week that Jesus is addressing here is moving from, we said cloudy to clear. That if we go from, I'm stressed about, uh, about um, retirement, and then you go, you're stressed about retirement, what do you mean? And if you go, I'm stressed about retirement because I've just been working for 50 years and, and for 50 years people looked up to me. They, they would come in my office and ask questions. They kind of needed me and they could, I could sort of quantify my value by the bonus that I got and they would get, have a number right there. And now all that is gonna shift and so I don't even know who I, who I am anymore. Now you know you're going to God to talk about identity God, I've found my identity in something else, my value in something else, help me find it in you. Rather than I'm stressed about retiring to who am I? Now you're getting very specific about it. And that's one of the things that Jesus talked about here. And then when you take it to God, I read it as we opened, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Not just, I'm worried about retirement, but God, I am coming to you to say, help me find my identity in you and you alone. Now that's doable, but there's more. Jesus has just told his disciples, don't worry about all these big important things, your life, your body, clothes, food. And then he says the why. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither, uh, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And my counselor friend gave me this quote. She said, if, I said, what do you do if people come in and they're stressed? Where are you trying to take them? And she said, if I can get them to slow down, change their thoughts, and remember that God who loves them is in control, it changes everything. I wanna show you throughout the rest of this text a few things that I hope, maybe someone's in here today bearing, bearing a big worry. I wanna show you what Jesus says and I wanna give you uh, hope and encouragement and be uplifting today. Here's the first thing that we have to do that's easier to see if you're outside a place of worry right now than if you're actually in the midst of it. But let me just mention where we're going today. And this is what Jesus is gonna say first, is we have to be committed to say, uh, we have to be committed to understand the absolute absurdity of worry. Worrying's absurd. 
That's one of the things Jesus is gonna say. Now, I'm not talking about being sad. That's a little different. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of conflating terms that therapists might say, well, worry or fear or stress and anxiety. Those are slightly different. I'm probably conflating them a bit. But what Jesus is going to do is, is he's going to point out the absurdity of worry. And one of the things that, that has already come up, and you'll see it a little more in just a minute, is oftentimes if there's a mystery out there and we think, if I focus on that, somehow I will have power over it. And it, there, there's usually a control issue. There's something that may or may not be coming. And if I just focus on it, now I've got power and I have a little bit more control over that. And the reality is the exact opposite is true. That if there's some mystery, something out there that could cause anxiety by focusing and focusing and focusing, the reality is it has power over us. We're giving it power over us. Jesus is gonna say, worry's absurd. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about the life of a person, and Jesus is saying, does your anxiety, does your worry about these big, important things, does it really do good? Then he says, if you're not able to do a small thing like that to add even just an hour to your life, why are you anxious about the rest? Jesus is trying to say worrying is absurd and it does not help if you add a worry to whatever circumstance you're already in. But I can read your minds because some of you might go, oh yes, it does. Like think about it. Like if, I, if I'm thinking about what if I have this bad health thing in my future, you know what I'll do? If I have stress and anxiety and worry, then that is the thing that moves me now to go, I should go on a hike. I should get back in the gym. I should eat healthier. I should take supplements or vitamins. Like, like that moves me to do it. But I would tell you that logic is absolutely gonna fall apart because you could do that exact same thing without anxiety. You could just do it with a sense of urgency. You just read like a journal article and just go, oh, you know what? I should, I should really do that and put down the pizza and get off the couch and go for a hike. Like you, you don't need worry to do that. And then at the end of the day, even if you do that, like you're worried about health, for example, maybe it helped there a little bit, but could it, are, are you sure that it solved the problem? And at the end of the day, you'd have to go, well, no. What about not just that health issue? What about another, this one or this one or this one or this one? Or all the unknown ones that are out there? Oh yeah, I can't, I can't control it. My, my worry, I guess, doesn't really help. In fact, I would say it has the opposite effect. My counselor friend tells me that um, she gave me some of the negative health effects of worry, Elevated levels of um, cortisol, which has to do with the stress hormone, which regulates inflammation, blood pressure, blood sugar. It manages how your body uses carbs, fats, and proteins. I don't know anything about the human body. That sounds bad. And when you're stressed, all that gets thrown out of whack. Not to mention bad sleep, which if you're like me, I'll be fine. If um, I get bad sleep, everything's terrible. Stress can do that to you. Headaches, inability to concentrate, nausea, muscle tension, irritability, difficulty in making decisions, dizziness, aches, and stress on the heart, and more. It does not help. In fact, it often has the opposite effect. Stressed about a job interview. You go into a job interview and the whole time you're going, please give me the job, please give me the job, please do good, please do good, please do good. And anybody else in those times get chatty? And just, they ask a question and you just go, bah, 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 
ah, and you're like all over the map, and then you're like, I didn't even remotely answer the question. You're trying to get back to it, and so you just talk some more, and then sort of give an answer. Like, if you go in there rested, if you go in there free from this worry, you'll probably do better. So the very thing that you're worried about happening, looking like a dummy and not getting the job, by being stressed, it's actually perpetuating the very thing you're worried about. As opposed to if you go, if I, Lord, help me not be worried and just go in, you'll do better. Worrying's absurd. I think the thing that happens most about this, though, is something that we may do subconsciously, and maybe, maybe you do this and there's no words to it, and I've been thinking about it. maybe these words will help. When I think of um, why, why do people have anxiety about something that might happen in the future, and I think the, one of the big reasons is if I think about this thing, if I sort of pre-live this little thing a little bit, whatever the, or big thing, whatever it might be, um, I can cushion my heart a bit in case this thing actually happens, then I'm better prepared to meet it. I think that happens a lot in our minds. Sometimes we say it, but maybe you don't even know to say it. You got it? So, so I don't know what's going to happen, but if I sort of pre-live it, pre-think it, it'll, it'll just cushion me a little bit, cushion my heart for if it actually does happen. Well, the problem, of course, is, first of all, if it doesn't happen, then you just spent all this time thinking about it. And in fact, what we do in those moments is you are trying to trick your brain into thinking that that has essentially already happened so you can start coping with it. And so think about what we just did is I'm going to think about this, I'm going to pre-live it, and I'm going to live in a world that says, I'm going to try to get to a mental space that says, Let, I'm going to live as though it's already happened. And then oftentimes we get to the end and it doesn't even happen. And so we just spent all this time living in the light of our worst fear that never even came to be. It's absurd to worry. And if you want a simple thing to pray, Lord, show me the absurdity of worry. That's what Jesus is about to say. I told you this was going to be encouraging, so now I'm going to encourage you a little bit here. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, he says. Worry is, is a way that we, um, our, our bodies go to to manage the uncertainty that is before us. And what he just said is there is a God who made you, there is a God who created you, and he loves you. He should be the way that we manage the stress. We go to him. Here's, here's what I think happens, though, is sometimes the things we're stressed about, we can also just feel guilty because we're worried and we're like, I know I'm not supposed to, so I feel guilty. The last person I want to go to is God. We could, we could feel that way. Or may, maybe I'm worried about what's going to happen and honestly, it's because of some stuff that I've done. I'm stressed about finances because I've been horribly unfaithful in my finances. Stressed about this, you know, my marriage because I've been a, just a jerk to my wife. I haven't invested. I, I, I'm stressed about my kids because I haven't done something with, like it can feel like it's sort of our fault. So it feels better that I just get whatever I deserve. And what I want to tell you is over and over and over, it is God saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And instead of us being over here and trying to fix everything first and then coming to him kind of tail tucked between our legs to go, the first place I am going to go is to God. 
But that's really hard because he's the one we've sinned against. Go to him. Go to him. And if someone has given you the impression that God is there going, well, you can come back to me, but I'm going to, you know, kind of put you on the B team for a little bit. God is welcoming back with open arms. Go to him. That's what he's saying to do. And it says, oh, you of little faith. And so here's my observation, all right? My observation. I said there is generally an inverse relationship between faith and stress. There is generally an inverse relationship between faith and stress. Generally, okay? So I don't mean by any means if someone's carrying burden, a burden here today and there's stress for me to go, well, you just don't have faith. That's not what I'm trying to say here, okay? But in general, when you look at people and you see like people that say they're Christians and they have really, really high levels of stress, it's, interesting. it's an interesting conversation to say, how's your faith? Have you been growing in your faith or neglected your faith? Because if you neglect your faith, then your stress can soar. Similarly, I know some people of deep, deep faith, and nothing seems to get them. They're not like, you know, Superman or anything like that. They're just, we just trust God. They've, they've been developing their faith for decades and haven't neglected it. And so I, I say this because I want to be encouraging to say, if there's something in your life that is causing stress, or actually it, is, it has potential to cause stress and you let it cause stress, if there's something in your life that's doing that, instead of our gut, which is I want to focus on that and I want to fix that and fix everything around it, to go, what if I focused on God? What if I focused on my Faith. It's moving your eyes, think about it, from the very problem that has you stressed out to begin with and say, I'm going to try and get this glimpse of God. I want to move from worry to worship. He's going to show something else I think is pretty fascinating. Verse 29, the potential stressors in a culture can also give opportunity for Christian witness and ministry. Look at this. Verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations, remember that word, all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. That word for nations is the word ethnos, where we get the word um, ethnic or eth ethnicity. And um, it, really what it refers to, and if you look at the parallel passage in Matthew, he's saying the non-Christians, like the, the people who are outside the kingdom of God, the people who don't trust God. And look at it. So the nations of the world, the ethnos, the others, he's talking to them, the others seek after these things. And your father, those of you who trust in God, know that you need those things. And so if we, if we put these two things he just said together, we grow in our faith and trust of God, yet we live in a world that doesn't grow in that. And so our levels of worry and stress and fear and anxiety should be very, very different. And so if you, hypothetically, if we lived in a culture with a lot of stressful things happening, what a witness Christians get to have. What he's saying is move from worry to worship, trust in me and other people that just don't know Jesus, so they're not, will respond to everything in the culture differently. They should than we do. Christians should respond differently, and as a result, when we go and live among them, they should see a difference in how we live. What a ministry opportunity. Why aren't you stressed about this? 
You can look different readily, easily among them. What an opportunity we have right now. And so he keeps saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then he says, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. In times of stress, oftentimes we're just looking for control. Maybe we can, so we can control the outcome so the bad thing we're stressed about doesn't come to be. But it's absurd. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. But action and stress makes us think that we're doing something that's helpful and productive, but we're not. I shared last week the illustration of the rocking chair. Um, stress is like a rocking chair. It makes you think you're doing something, but you never get anywhere. That's what stress is. So you can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can grow in faith and you can watch as you, you know, the old, the old hymn, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what this is saying. That as we grow in our faith and we get this fuller picture of God, our fears can start to decrease. Um, worry can diminish our view of God. Here, here's how it makes sense to me. I picture, I know nothing about astronomy, but I picture like a big telescope and it's a clear day and let's say someone actually knows what they're doing. So they say, Jim, if you look in here right now, you can see the most breathtaking sight. And so I do, I look in and I go, hmm, okay. And I, you know, I, I look in like, what am I looking at? And then he goes and focuses it and I go, <gasps> and it's the most beautiful, we'll say the moon, it's just the most beautiful shot of the moon, and it feels like I can almost, you know, reach out and touch it on the other side, and um, however it's turned, it's turned just perfectly, it's lit up just right, it's, you can see every bit of it, and there's just a moment of looking and going, wow, you put that thing into focus, and I'm so moved by it. And then if I'm looking through it, and let's say my kids are older now, let's say when they're littler, that uh, as I'm just taking this all in and looking at the telescope, or looking through the telescope, dad, 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 hey, dad, 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 and they start shoving each other, and they start whining about, and they start doing like little, you know, pushing each other around, stuff like that. All of a sudden, I've got a choice to make about am I going to keep looking at this thing that's so incredibly beautiful, or am I going to turn over here this thing that's distracting me? And let's pretend that trying to be a good dad, I go, I'm going to look over here. And as I look, I just a little bit, just accidentally give it a little turn. Hey, guys, you know, stop that. Okay, I'm going to look back at this thing. And then I look and I go, it's not as great as it used to be. I mean, it's still nice. I can still sort of say, hey, guys, could you turn just a little bit? And it starts getting a little less focused because the worries over here have me pulled back. What Jesus is saying when he's saying increase your faith is he's saying what are the things that you might do? He wasn't talking about a telescope, but what are the things in a telescope that can just keep God in his fullness, in full focus for you? What increases your worship of him and what you'll find is as your worship of him, your awe of him increases, you'll just start to feel the anxiety, not the, the, the thing that stressed you out, the thing that preoccupied your mind. All of a sudden there's gonna be times you go, now I've got perspective. That's not as big a deal as I once thought it was. Put yourself in those places. I'll tell you a few things for me that really, um, that really do this, that really focus that telescope for me. So I just am focused on the fullness of God and just move. Not, not just things I like, but things that help me worship him. So one of the um, things that I get to do here, uh, I get to just meet a ton of people and 
hear interesting stories, and I love it because I sit with people and they go, well, my story's kind of boring. I had one, I had one a couple weeks ago or something that um, the guy's telling me his story that he was completely walking away from the Lord. This, this young woman was walking away from the Lord as well. They, were on, they lived on the coast. They met someplace else, and then they, they got married, and they were in love and all that. Neither one of them knew the Lord. Their heart got completely turned upside down, both of them together. They love Jesus now. They came to faith in Jesus Christ. Their marriage is phenomenal, and they're these young, hungry kids, uh, kids, sorry, young adults, that are like just wanting to learn and wanting to serve him. And, uh, and they came to Rockland once and someone was like super sweet to him and they're like everybody's so nice because like one person was nice they're like everybody must be nice right and they came in and somebody I don't know who was nice to him and so they're like this is so great and we're interested about being here and just worshiping God with everybody and I'm just sitting here going you started this by saying my story is sort of boring that's phenomenal different coasts met each other both of them pulling each other down and then all of a sudden they just said praise God we want to walk with him and worship him. And now they've found them. Now they're here and found a place in a place that neither of them has ever lived before. I hear stories like that, and there's just something in me that stirs to go, God is alive and well and working today. It's so fantastic. For me, another thing that stirs my heart like that, reading the Bible in the morning, I try not to do it on my phone or iPad or computer or something like that because... Um, well, th- those are um, associate. Our brain immediately kicks into like this efficiency mode of tasks and calendars and things to do. And so I, I use the old print Bible, and I'll come, usually come over here and I'll just kick back and just read the print Bible. And there's something in there with all my things that ding and buzz at me and everything are just over there. And I just get to sit here and just be reminded of God and His goodness. It stirs me. I like to try and redeem otherwise ordinary things. Um, now my commute is about eight seconds because I walk over there, but I used to have a 20-minute commute or so, and what I would do, I would just put podcasts in. I would put praise music in, or sometimes I would just turn it off because I'm going, I'm, I'm praying right now as I'm, as I'm driving. I don't want any distractions. And I would take something that's normally just sort of benign, like a commute. I thought, is there a way that I can use this time to stir my hearts and affections for God? Just focus up a little bit. It works. It helps. I go fetch with my dog. This is true. I listen to Christmas music while I fetch with my dog. And it's July or August. I know. It's hot. I don't care. Uh, there's something. Christmas is so moving to me, just remembering the story of that God sent his son, Jesus. And so it's like I'm in shorts and I'm sweating and I'm just, you know, oh, holy night, like sitting there singing Christmas music, and I've taken something that's just kind of benign and just said, how can I take it and just pop the AirPods in and just do that? And all of a sudden, it becomes this moment of worship, and it just just focuses a little bit. We have a life group that meets at our house, and I love having them, and I couldn't figure out why it was so powerful for me, and I've realized it, that I'm watching these four or five families that get together and thinking about everything they're dealing with all week long. And for about an hour or so every other week, a couple hours actually, they come together and all that's forgotten. And it's this haven where Christians can sit down and remind each other of the goodness of God. And so I love it. I I love just sitting back and watching everybody hang out and talk and talk life together. My wife would say the way she does is to go out on a hike 
Um, and so to go outside and just see God and see him in his fullness. And so I'll just tell her, go, get out of here, go on a hike and go and be outside to savor that. And all that's happening is we're reminding ourselves and focusing on God and what he's done. As our view of God gets bigger, our worries get smaller and smaller. And I want to put this to the test. Um, I've been studying the uh, book of Revelation quite a bit, and um, I started going through and writing every time Jesus is described as something, and I combined them all into one big statement to describe Jesus and who he is. And here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to read this to you. It's It's a rough draft, so pardon me. Um, But I'll read it to you. And in the meantime, maybe something that is weighing on you right now, or maybe something you know could potentially weigh on you pretty soon. Pull that to mind. The book of Revelation. This is a book to help us live in light of the undeniable past, present, and future kingdom of the one who will decisively, totally, effortlessly, and quickly triumph over all the enemies of him and his church. For he is the eternal one who was and is and is to come, alpha and omega, first and last, who lives and reigns forever and ever. With the sound of thunder like has never been heard before, he will reap the earth, make evil wail, and cause the wicked to prefer death to his wrath. He destroys the destroyers, the beasts, Satan, the dragon, and shows every person the emptiness of earthly pleasures forever. He will usher in this unstoppable, unrestrainable, unquestionable kingdom as the white horse riding, enemy slaying, Armageddon victor. He is the creator, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the conquering lamb, the shepherd who guides to living waters, the God of heaven who is faithful and true. He is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, the sin-freer, kingdom-bringer, church-nourisher, priest-crowner, keys of death and Hades-possessor, ransomer of his global people, the just and true king of the nations, the marriage supper host, author of life, new heaven and new earth-bringer, killer of death, throne-seated new thing-maker, the holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, saver of the greatest of multitudes, rewarder of servants, prophets, and saints, who will give us rest from our labors, rewards for our deeds, and be the everlasting shelter of his people. The diadem-wearing King of kings and Lord of lords, the remover of hunger, the remover of thirst, the remover of tears, who died and rose and is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing, Forevermore, our God reigns. I think about that, and I go, what was my problem again? (laughs) I don't mean to minimize, and I don't mean that reading some little draft of something made everything go away. But you can see when you really pull back and get perspective and go, this is the God we worship what it does to worry, anxiety, stress, fear. That's what I want for you, and that's what Christ wants for us.